0: Does manual treasury management and operations have your crypto business stuck in the slow lane? Scale up and speed ahead with Fireblocks, the number one platform for crypto operations and trading pros that makes custody, settlement, and rebalancing quick and easy. Visit fireblocks.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase Prime, an integrated solution that provides institutional investors with an advanced trading platform, secure custody and prime services to manage all of their crypto assets in one place. Futuristic companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have used Coinbase's comprehensive investing platform to execute some of the largest trades in the industry. Learn more by visiting Coinbase.com prime to get started today. I'd also like to give a shout out to Cross River. Whether you're a crypto exchange, NFT marketplace or wallet, Cross River's integrated API-based platform provides the payment solutions you need to grow. A CryptoFin Industry Award winner and an early partner for companies like Coinbase, Cross River's tech stack supports crypto partners and enables real-time money movement for consumers. Welcome to a new world of crypto-friendly banking at crossriver.com/crypto. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the block's. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at at The Block. I'm very excited for today's show. It's very timely, very newsy. I I got up at like 6 a.m. to to prep for this. We got on the other side of the mic my very dear guest, Uri and Ellie from Starkware. They're the co-founders of what is probably one of the most important companies in the Ethereum ecosystem and this is almost a reunion. I, I first covered you guys almost, I don't know how long ago it was, in crypto yeah. years, probably like three decades for your Series B.
1: I was in short pants. I remember that.
0: I mean, you guys are almost like Bert and Ernie to a degree. You, I, I haven't met a co-founder dynamic quite quite like this. I'm Bert. <laughs> <laughs> he is Bert. That's true. So you guys just announced another fundraise. Uh, I think, from the previous Series C. So walk us through, like, there's so much to get into. We have to touch on all of the different Starks, StarkNet, StarkX, StarkWare. We're going to get to that. But how do you raise such a massive funding round in the middle of what many people are calling a scary, scary crypto
1: winter? You ask very politely. Thanks. More, more detail? You say you say please? No, seriously. So we you know we've known the folks who uh, are co-leading this round. Uh, so it's co-led by by Green Oaks and Kotu and Tiger and a lot of the existing investors uh, followed on continuing to support us for a good while now. Uh, we've known them for a while. They're familiar with what we're doing with our vision with our sort of plan for the coming years. And we started sort of working on on this whole concept of, of uh, teaming up a few weeks ago. We actually did finalize after you know the whole Luna fiasco came tumbling down. But uh, frankly, in the context of this effort, that sort of uh, background noise. So we viewed it as such, they viewed it as such. So sort of Everyone sort of focused on the three to five year plan, not on uh, what the market is doing uh, tomorrow afternoon.
0: So what does the three, five year plan look like for Starkware?
1: So we're going to do this Ponzi scheme. With a Loon, ah, so no, so no, that's not the... uh,
2: Stablecoin with 25% promised
1: return. 22, let's start with 22. So... um, Sign me up. The three to five year plan is to bring scaling using Starks to permissionless blockchains and to allow developers, and the emphasis is on developers, to build anything, anything that they can imagine, build it and deploy it. And allow it to scale to, you know, to Web 2 scales uh, on the blockchain, and do all this to the point where developers can sort of abstract away a lot of the wiring and the infrastructure in the background. So allow them essentially to focus on building their apps, not to sort of dive into the minutia of blockchains, not to dive into the minutia of, of zero knowledge proofs. Just build exciting applications and know that those will be able to scale. That's the grand vision. Wait, I'd like to add to that. I think what
2: uh, we described was the vision for the next 6 to 12 months. But beyond that, you know, by then we'll be done with getting all of the devs and dApps really gung-ho on StarkNet. But a bit more seriously, what Starkware is doing is taking a very profound and revolutionary set of technologies that has a very long and uh, deep history in mathematics, cryptography, and computer science. And it delivers something that is dearly missing and dearly needed in modern societies and the way they're doing their computation. And that is something very simple. It is integrity, the ability to know that something was done the right way even when you weren't watching. And blockchains realized the importance of integrity and new means for reaching integrity. They realized it first, but beyond that, all financial systems, healthcare systems, government systems need new technologies for integrity that are more fair and inclusive. And that's where we'll head after blockchains.
0: It'll be an exciting transition. To watch transpire. So for people who are maybe unfamiliar, we can do a little bit of an Aristotelian uh, definition of terms here. So Stark technology, that's kind of what's behind everything you guys are doing. This is kind of like a family of cryptographic proofs that are zero-knowledge, succinct, transparent, and post-quantum secure. How do we explain Stark net and then where you guys are moving on from StarkNet to StarkX.
2: So you described Stark technologies very well. That's exactly as you explained it. And what in the end of the day, a Stark proof delivers is integrity. It is knowing that something was done correctly without needing to re-execute it and without trusting the party that ran that computation. StarkNet, gives this technology wrapped inside blockchain protocols and standards so that developers can write smart contracts and deploy them. And these smart contracts are going to be operated with integrity using Starks. So let me give an example. Ethereum can be likened to a computer right? But Ethereum is not just a computer and a consensus protocol around it. It is also a whole set of tools, solidity and the infrastructure around it and the way you write smart contracts and ERC-20 standards and things like that, that let developers come and say, oh, you know, I want to do an AMM or I want to write the CryptoKitties game. And Mm. you have everything accessible and you can do it, right? So a similar thing is what Starknet is for Starks. It will let developers have all the tools so that they can just come, program their smart contracts, and deploy them on this framework that will be decentralized and prove the integrity of all computations without needing everyone else to re
1: execute them. So, what is StarkX? So, StarkX is our scaling SAS, basically. So scaling as a service. Mm-hmm. This has been uh, live on uh, Ethereum mainnet since the middle of 2020, so going on two years now. You've got DYDX as a customer, so rare, immutable. Exactly. Uh, Diversify, were in fact the very first uh, seller, just joined the ranks, and there are a whole bunch of them in the pipeline for all the use cases supported by Starkex. So Starkex can handle a bunch of things so uh, payments and transfers and spot trading and of course perpetual contracts and minting and trading of nfts and now there's this very exciting use case called DeFi pooling that allows users to uh pool demand for uh defy transactions on layer one pool that demand on layer two and have these proverbial car pools come out from layer two into uh, layer one and, and split the uh, layer one transaction cost. So, all that is done by StarkX. We've done over the past year over 150, 160 million transactions uh, settled by StarkX.
0: Cumulative trading in USD since inception, I think, is over $600
1: billion. Correct. Uh, yeah, uh, these are sort of significant numbers. Certainly, in the context of, of Web3, but even in the context of Web2, they're becoming uh, quasi respectable.
0: So, how high can we get in cumulative trading volume vis a vis Stark
1: X over the next six months? So, the astonishing thing about this technology, okay, is that we don't know of an upper bound to its scale, okay? And this is very different from saying it doesn't have a current bottleneck, right? Any engineering system at any given point in time has bottlenecks in it by definition. Okay. So of course ours does too, but conceptually this system can scale and scale. And one way to sort of drive home the point, I, I often use this metaphor of for scaling of, you know, going in say Manhattan, going from single story houses and whatever, circa mm-hmm. 17th century to high rises, right? And that's the scaling of this limited real estate, Manhattan or the blockchain, we can allow it to scale. What I'm saying is that we don't know of an upper bound, to abuse this metaphor a bit, we don't know of an upper bound to the height of these skyscrapers. At any mm-hmm. given moment in time, it may be the metal beams, it may be the glass, it may be the, I don't know what, but we don't know fundamentally, we don't know of a limit.
2: Yeah, but like, to give uh, some concrete examples, so there were already weeks where we processed more transactions than all of Ethereum. And the amount of gas that we used on Ethereum was less than 1%. And, you know, for those weeks, if it would have been 100x more transactions, we still would have managed to put all of them on Ethereum without taking, you know, 100%. We would have taken far less. And, um, you know, we could easily go up 10 to 100x today, just on today's systems, without incurring any existing bottlenecks. And as Uri mentioned, the core technology, we don't currently know what is its limit in terms of scaling Ethereum without any changes to Ethereum.
0: So if we were to think of this using the city analogy, the island of Manhattan, the current landscape right now, Ethereum, a bunch of small, maybe townhouses all throughout And then you have a few skyscrapers, that's going to be StarkX, but just a few. How do we get the entire city, and uh, I'll sort of translate the metaphor in a second, how do we get the entire city to be skyscrapers? In other words, how do we get StarkNet to be at least as usable or as pervasive as Ethereum?
2: We, we just wait a bit and these things are happening. But like, no, I, I mean, it sounds... Look, if you think about Manhattan, right? So there was first, I guess, one skyscraper. Probably it started in actually in Chicago. And then were two and then three. And then everyone understood the technology. And there was a lot of understanding of how to build skyscrapers. So the analogy here is really StarkNet and its tooling, right? Right now, there are a few early adopters of StarkNet. And StarkNet itself is in alpha mode, which means that you can't do all that much. But within a few months, you know, there'll be, let's say, hopefully, maybe, there'll be already one skyscraper, one analog of a CryptoKitties or a Uniswap or something that goes ballistic, and everyone says, wow, that's amazing. And then you'll see more of that. That's how it's going to go.
1: A necessary condition for this. So StarkX was built using Cairo, which is the the programming language that we developed in-house to make our life easier in, in implementing any business logic that we want. And then once we have this tool in hand, we said, hold on a second, the sensible thing to do is put it out there and allow any developer to use it for any purpose, you know, deploy whatever business logic they want on the network. And so that's how StarkNet uh, was born. Now we're seeing an awful lot of traction there. We already have some, I think, very exciting ideas for what happens beyond the public StarkNet. We refer to this as layer three. Uh, this is where sort of I guess the one-liner is where the Web2s and the applications will come and live happily ever after because they will get the benefits of the blockchain and yet have the control that they need to run their business. So That's how sort of we view that. But, you know, this is all sort of happening as we speak.
0: Mm. Is there a specific vertical you think, you know, been more attracted to this technology? Is it, you know, gaming,
2: NFTs, trading. You mentioned them. The early adopters seem to be gaming NFTs and trading. Yes. But that doesn't mean that, you know, the killer app, the thing that everyone will mention as the analog of the crypto is, will necessarily be one of those, right?
0: Yeah. It could be in healthcare. It could be in security.
1: Yeah. 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 We just had a hackathon in, uh, around DevConnect in Amsterdam a few weeks ago. And, were a lot of people and there was a lot of excitement and and one of the participants pointed out something beautiful that he said that the the submissions there were like almost 40 submissions at the end of the hackathon and he said that the submissions a lot of them were for things that no one ever considered building on ethereum meaning people are at this early stage you know everything is just such a nascent ecosystem and everything is still clearly still rough around the edges and far from perfect and far from humming and you know There's still a ton of work ahead but the early adopters the early developers already understand that this thing should be explored to its fullest extent and it's going far beyond like the the basic set of ideas that people tried out on ethereum initially
0: going back to the city analogy if let's say you know five years from now the entire island is skyscrapers how many of them are going to be based on starkware versus some of your competitors. It's a very competitive landscape. You have optimistic roll-ups. You also have competitors to your own ZK rollups, ZK Sync for an example. Is it going to be a city of just Starkware skyscrapers or are you going to see others peppered throughout?
1: Well, I think that there are different use cases and there are different requirements that different systems have. So I'm sure we're gonna see an abundance of these things. Maybe I I want to take sort of a different stab at it, and that's to say there's, and I say this as a complete atheist, there's a lot of religious sort of dimensions to uh, the blockchain space, right? The Bitcoin maxis and, and the Ethereum maxis and all that kind of stuff. And the thing that to me matters a lot in the context of everything that's going on now is that experimentation will continue in sort of full force for many, many years to come. And the one thing I fear is everyone sort of too quickly settling in on something and saying, well, this is how it should be done, and that's that. So my hope is that in a few years' time, we will keep on seeing a lot of stuff going on and a lot of experimentation on the scaling front and on the smart contract languages front and on the consensus front, you know, the different layers of the stack. I think that it would serve us all well. So what
0: is the main difference at a high level? between the religion of optimistic roll-ups and ZK roll-ups
1: um, Ellie do you want to talk about those two religions
2: yeah I uh, I wouldn't think of them as religions but um, the premise behind um, optimistic roll-ups is that okay let's start with blockchains Blockchains work by everyone naively replaying all important computations, and that's how you get integrity. Optimistic rollups, as the name suggests, allow you as a you know small end user to assume that someone is economically or otherwise incentivized to be behaving as an auditor of the blockchain and like you know inspecting everything there on your behalf. And validity roll-ups, which, which is the name I prefer because most of them are not ZK, but people call them ZK rollups. So validity roll-ups don't make such uh, game theoretic incentives. They basically put the burden of proof on the party that is doing the computation and thereby using math, you get very good integrity as an in end users. You know that Whatever was processed on the blockchain is actually perfectly correct without relying on any extra assumptions, but for math and cryptography.
0: What do you think are the largest challenges of building a ZK roll-up layer
2: two? So one challenge that I think we figured out, and that's partially reflected by, by this valuation, is... What is the right core technology? What is the right proof technology that is future-proof, fastest, most scalable, and so on? And I think I think we nailed it, uh, frankly. You know, time will tell, but I think this will become the standard. And then the huge challenge on which 99% of our time is spent is not honing that uh, core cryptographic technology and, uh, you know, changing or tweaking it. It is rather... The tooling and infrastructure, you know, the the stuff that is really important for end developers, for infrastructure teams, for RPC and API providers, all of the tooling that goes around, that is the huge challenge. But you have to start with the right technology. And uh, 99% of our effort right now is in building and improving this surrounding technology that allows wallets to query and integrate very easily with uh, smart contracts, allows developers to write code and smart contracts, allows you to run all kinds of databases and servers that, that uh, you know, query this new L2 and so on and so forth. That's the big challenge.
0: Are there any trade-offs if we think about what the core mission and goal of Starkware is, which is effectively bringing massive scalability, the scalability of, of web to to an extent maybe even beyond that to ethereum while maintaining preserving the the decentralization the security and the permissionless nature of it but are there any are there any trade-offs if if I'm someone who's thinking about deploying on this are there any trade-offs I should think about trade-offs between ethereum mainnet and then starknet deployed on ethereum
2: mainnet yeah, there are many. Uh, okay, the biggest trade-off is it goes like this. Ethereum, I, I was just talking about the tooling and infrastructure. So Ethereum is literally years ahead of starting it in terms of tooling and infrastructure. It's much easier as a developer to write smart contracts that will be used by everyone on Ethereum. So that's the mm-hmm. biggest advantage by far of Ethereum. Another advantage is that you have the security of Ethereum uh, backing everything you're doing with no extra work and no extra assumptions, okay? And it's a technology that has been out there for more years. Starknet is newer. You have less tooling. So, you know, developers are going to need to work a bit harder initially in order to uh, create smart contracts and so on. However, what you get if you go through this effort is you get way greater scale at much cheaper costs to the end user, right? For instance, you know, Immutable is regularly minting hundreds of thousands of NFTs and placing, you know, all of these hundreds of thousands of NFT mints inside a fraction of an Ethereum block. So they work very hard to make this uh, possible, but what their end users get is something that costs, in terms of L1 gas costs, fractions of a penny as opposed to several dollars to mint an NFT. That's the trade off.
0: Having trouble keeping pace with the crypto boom? When your business is scaling up and your portfolio is growing, you don't want to waste precious time on manual treasury management or settling and rebalancing. Fireblocks can handle that for you with smart, scalable solutions for your crypto business, along with industry leading security and expertise. They'll take care of the back end so you can focus on the big picture. Visit fireblocks.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase Prime an integrated solution that provides institutional investors with an advanced trading platform, secure custody, and Prime services to manage all their crypto assets in one place. Coinbase Prime fully integrates crypto trading and custody on a single platform and gives clients the best all-in pricing in their network using their proprietary smart order router and algorithmic execution. Futuristic companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have already used Coinbase's comprehensive investment investing platform to execute some of the largest trades in the industry. Build a unified investment portfolio with one of the most trusted names in crypto. Learn more by visiting Coinbase.com Prime to get started today. This episode is brought to you by Cross River. Building the next big thing in crypto? Then it's time to get your fiat on and off ramp solution from Cross River. Whether you're a crypto exchange, NFT marketplace, or wallet, Cross River's integrated API based platform provides the payment solutions you need to grow. Cross River is powering the future of financial services. A CryptoFin Industry Award winner and an early partner for companies like Coinbase, Cross River's tech stack supports crypto partners and enables real-time money movement for consumers. Welcome to a new world of crypto-friendly banking. Request your fiat on and off ramp solution now at crossriver.com/crypto. Yuri, are you um are you uh hitting the bottle?
1: I am. I am it, it you know it must be 4:40 in the afternoon somewhere. No, you know this is our Thursday afternoon uh Chill here in the office, as as you know, we work Sunday through Thursday in Israel. So,
0: so what is um behind you on the on the whiteboard there? What's going on?
1: Early working on the multiplication table. Uh, beyond ten times ten, it gets confusing. So we have these rehearse sessions, and you know we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> Practice makes perfect. So. <laughs>
0: And what will this yield? Just, well, hopefully, you know, we'll
1: get then, to 100. Get, I'm, I'm very he, confident. Gets, you know, we're not there yet. A high school diploma, finally. I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're going to get to 100. You know, I think that, you know, when it gets to like nine times seven and those things, it, it gets really, really uh, complicated.
1: Hairy.
0: Yeah. It gets a little, it gets a little crazy, a little thorny. Yeah. I mean, that's at the heart of what you guys are trying to do, right? Tackling some of the most thorny mathematical computation problems to yield a product that will abstract the complexity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I want to tell you, so we may not look at, but, you know, we're older than Vitalik, both of us. So I
0: couldn't believe that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a lot of people asking, you know, what, what is it that you do in terms of, of, taking care of your, uh, uh, but, um, you know, we studied CS in the mid nineties as undergrads. And, and back then, you know, uh, proof systems were taught. They were in, it was a 10 year old concept and, and they were taught as this very beautiful mathematical innovation, which is completely impractical. And I remember being baffled, you know, the, the, our professor who taught you, taught us this, he said this as a mathematician, almost with joy. He said, these are completely out of bound in terms of, of they're completely irrelevant. They require more than the computation, you know, the computational uh, uh, capacity of the in, in the entire universe. And the astonishing thing, and it's it's just it's mind blowing, right, that the, the communal effort of, of so many people, of course, uh, from our perspective, culminating in the work that Elian and Michael Reaptive, our co-founder, did at Technion uh, just before, you know, Starting uh, Starkware, but ellie has been working on this for the past twenty-some years, and now seeing this thing in production, and it's it's just seeing the thing go from an abstract idea to production is is astonishing. You know, it's it's just mind-blowing, and, and all this driven by by ideas, right? By by this isn't uh, metal pressing; it's just ideas.
2: Yeah, I, I want to say two things. First of all, uh, Dan Bonnet had a very nice quote in an article that Quanta magazine just published two days ago. And I, I don't remember the exact quote, I can look it up in a second. But he said that it's very rare, and maybe hasn't ever happened, that such a deep area of math and computer science in so short a time has become the foundation of of a major financial technology. I mean, we're all using things like, you know, SSL and um, public key cryptography and things like that, right? That's part of our day-to-day commerce on the internet. But the level of complexity needed to productize and make accessible the technology that, that is Starks is just on a whole different level. And it's an amazing achievement of our team. And, you know, some time ago, we were working on some uh, submission of a publication and looking at these very, very gnarly multiplication tables and, you know, things like that. And even more complicated stuff, division. Um, And, uh, you know, we sort of suddenly took a step back. Crazy.
0: I remember division
2: yeah there you go and 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 we took stuff. a step back and we said this is just <laughs> unbelievable like the stuff that we are now all of these like crazy formulas that we are now discussing are actually part of a living infrastructure that has been settling you know billions of dollars upwards of half a trillion dollars of volume And that's amazing and then yeah, I I don't think it makes a lot of sense to give like uh, you know, to go into the math here. I mean, you do want your listeners to join in next time as well. So let's just leave it at, at that. It's it's there's a lot of very beautiful but also complicated stuff going into it.
0: Well, I wonder if there's a way to kind of paint a picture for them, just because it's it's so fascinating to me like what's happening behind the scenes. Like we see the trading volume numbers, we see, you know The product, but we don't necessarily see the maths behind the scenes, but I'm sure there's been a number of hurdles, mathematical computer science hurdles. What was, if you hearken back to the development of Starks, what was one of the biggest breakthroughs? And and maybe you can help describe it in a way that won't make people uh, fast forward or throw their phones out the
2: window. Okay. Uh, So already in the 1990s, yeah, there were fascinating works yeah go ahead
1: No no go ahead go ahead you were talking about the late 18th century go ahead uh, okay okay so
2: okay so in in the in the 1990s there were works that showed mathematical works that showed that um, you can verify the integrity of a huge computation very efficiently like uh, on something that would be a smartphone okay this was known already uh, you know 30 years ago. But the problem was that in order to set things up for the verifier, the prover had to do such an unbelievably large amount of computation that, you know, there were not enough atoms in the universe to record the middle steps in that computation. This was literally the case. And over a sequence of a number of mathematical breakthroughs, that, that took something like 10 years over a number of steps. We drastically, when I say we, I mean a lot of people in the academic world, uh, Madhu Sudan and myself, Alessandro Kieza, Michael Riabtsev, these are two of my co-founders. Madhu Sudan is an academic advisor to Starkware and, and many, many others. We used tools that are related to the fast Fourier Transform and other tricks to make the proofs way shorter and so short and so efficient that you can program them efficiently on a computer. So something that was too large to write using even all the atoms of the solar system now became something that you can run on your computer.
1: So I I, I actually wanna talk about a separate breakthrough, which is a very dramatic one, and it took place at Starkware, and it it, it formed in the most natural and beautiful way from from an actual need by by the, the the engineering team here at Starkware. So, Starks, you know, you can you can you can generate a proof for any computational statement by representing it as a set of polynomials, and that sounds very generalized and very powerful. But it's also very complex and challenging work and very risky work in the sense that you may end up misrepresenting that uh, business logic that you wanted proven. And that, of course, is very sort of, uh, that's dangerous, right, in the context of business. And so Cairo was born. And so uh, Leor Goldberg and Shachar Papini, too, two of our engineers, a couple of years back said, you know, we can't internally sort of continue without some sort of domain specific language. We need some programming language to abstract away a lot of these ideas. Otherwise it's just too, too, it's too complex. And so they started working on Cairo and amazingly enough, two years later, you know, there are at this point hundreds, probably beyond a thousand people out there developing code in Cairo. And doing all sorts of stuff that no one ever thought would be done on the blockchain, right? I mean, keep in mind on it, you know, on Ethereum, and I say this with it pains me to say this, right? That that mm-hmm. computing a moving average on Ethereum, something that anyone in the context of Python, et cetera, would consider a trivial task. Computing a moving average on Ethereum is a painful computational task. Okay. Now, with Cairo in hand, people are building all sorts of gaming engines and machine learning engines and all sorts of stuff that no one thought would ever be sort of interfacing with the blockchain. And that innovation is is just over two years old. And was sort of a separate layer on top of Starks, right? And a very powerful layer. So anyway, wanted to tell about that.
0: It's so interesting. It's so basically right for, you know, maybe more normal unsophisticated folks like myself. It's just moving that really heavy computation off chain and then moving it off chain and executing these heavy computations with integrity.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the hard part is getting everyone to be able to check this integrity with very little work. That is the magic, right? And with no trust assumptions.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: That's kind of step four, right? That on-chain verification aspect. So the on-chain verifier or smart contract receives that proof.
2: Yeah, but yeah, exactly, exactly. Yes, you have the ability uh, or we now have, you know, the technology um, and put it in the hands of all developers to prove the integrity of the computation so that anyone can easily check and verify and know that the computation was done with integrity without any trust assumptions on the party that executed the computation and without re-executing it, but just by sort of, it's a little bit like sampling a few random locations from the computation. It's a little bit like one of those inspections where, you know, you come into a huge facility, Check a couple of things, and based on that, you know whether everything's okay. Or to take another example, it's just like, you know, we can use polling in order to get a pretty good estimate of who's going to win the next election without actually going and asking everyone. So you can do this process of polling or sampling, but what you get is confidence in the integrity of a very large computation. And that's quite magical.
0: Do you think that the academic community is paying enough attention to crypto right now? And what do you think of some efforts from firms like A16Z and Coinbase to kind of stand up their own research labs to tackle some of these really thorny computer science problems?
2: That's a terrific question. You know, it's funny, but the the academic world is very conservative. And also a lot of the problems that academics tend to deal with are problems that previous generations of academics thought are very interesting. So often you have the case that some new field emerges. In this case, it's blockchain. And it turns out to be this treasure trove of interesting intellectual questions. And it takes, unfortunately, a lot of time for the academic world to appreciate this. So I think that finally, the academic world is starting to really uh, study this. Uh, An interesting fact is that nearly all universities have almost no courses on blockchain, but their student bodies, nearly all of them, there's going to be a student body, right? There's going to be a student club of blockchain. So like the students are way ahead Mm -hmm. of the curriculum.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah. There was this uh, conference at Harvard a couple of months ago, and I was invited, I'm, Going back to the Huns sacking of Rome in 1451, <laughs> I'm the only person to have entered that building without a suit. But one thing that struck me there as sort of really sort of mind blowing, that the whole thing was bottom up, meaning it was students from you know, undergrads and business school and law school, but it was students all around. They initiated, they created, they drove the whole thing. Which in itself is beautiful and powerful and, and terrific, but but there was a sense that faculty is sort of ha- hasn't gotten it yet, and in particular one field which sort of baffles me in this regard is is economics, right? Because to me, for an economist to look at this and say, you know, let's put aside, you know, the 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 Krogman, uh, you know, uh, attacks on you know is is or or the the you know the serious. It's all people- just a Ponzi. Yeah is, yeah but but I put, put that aside and and just say there's a live lab okay open to me as a macroeconomist as a microeconomist I can start experimenting with all sorts of concepts okay and I'm no longer relegated either to the whiteboard or to what the central bank of some economy does of you know some government does I would have been all over this and you know I look at this and and they're not and I don't understand why so what does it mean from a
0: hiring perspective, right? If the universities aren't creating this
1: basket of potential employees or That's potential not developers? That's not an issue because we, we don't need them to train people to, to appreciate blockchains, right? What we want is people who know, you know, know math deeply and, and, and understand software deeply and, and, and all these things. And, and that we get a whole lot of. And one thing that I I think we've seen, say, over the past uh, year, not much more than a year, um, in terms of our hiring efforts, uh, there used to be a lot of sort of uh, convincing, you know, blockchain is exciting. You know, all those security companies, you know, they're nice and they pay well, but, you know, blockchain is exciting. That line is, you know, it's gone everyone sort of gets it. And there's a, a, a tremendous amount of excitement around blockchains. And, and in fact, what we're now seeing is, is these duos of founders coming in and saying, well, we have these ideas. We want to talk to you guys about just a nonstop stream of, of these uh, you know, founders coming in. And it's, it's beautiful. right? It's organic and it's beautiful.
0: Do you see that translating into maybe some acquisitions?
1: I, I, I we don't think of it in those terms frankly you know I, I i personally i've been over the years i've i've received a ton of help from uh more experienced founders and and we're happy to sort of uh pay it forward and, and help these guys think about what they want to do and introduce them to relevant people and all that not not in any way uh, no m a's yeah no that's that's sort of
0: are any of them willing to build a token for
1: StarkNet? Build a... a when when token? I don't understand that word you said. Um, we, we, we make no comments on... on
0: yeah. What do you think of the Optimism token launch?
2: That's a very, uh, very intelligent, very uh, bold step forward um, they spent a lot of time thinking about it and generally speaking we have a lot of uh, admiration for the other l2s we view ourselves as all you know members in this sort of uh team that's exploring the frontiers of uh, in this case blockchain so uh, we're very friendly with uh Optimism, Arbitrum, ZK Sync, uh, you know, Aztec and the others. And uh, I think it's an amazing. Uh, it's really nice that they're doing this thing. I, I hope it succeeds. It should.
1: I, what, one thing I, in the context of my earlier comment about experimentation, one thing I, I like about what the Optimism team is doing, and they've been consistently doing that, is that they keep sort of exploring the frontier around governance. And I think that's very important to do. And there are all these you know, now the, the houses, I believe they call them, uh, stepping away from uh, the direct democracy of tokens to something which, well, may make more sense. And, and I, I think it's extremely important that, that these concepts are explored continuously, uh, boldly. And that's what they're doing. So that's terrific.
0: I love this sort of congenial spirit that we're ending the show with, you know, in the grips of a bear market, we have to be nice.
1: No, no. Let me tell you what I really think about Eddie. So,
0: <laughs> save that for after we turn off the mics. I don't. I don't want anyone to get overly offended. Okay, no, no. So for now, we'll we'll stick to the compliments. Well, guys, first off, major congratulations on Thanks. the raise. It's not easy. I'm excited to see what is to come next. I, I guess one question I can end the show with is. We're at a very important moment for the space, right? We've got the merge coming up. We've got you guys sort of raising this massive round, looking to scale to the next million users for Starkware. What's the key to doing that? What's the key to onboarding the next million users to what you guys have built?
2: I'm gonna say um, hire an amazing team an excellent team and, uh, keep this high bar of excellence and, uh, then listen to them more than you listen to your instincts.
1: That sounds good to me.
0: That sounds beautiful. Well, gentlemen, thank you again so much. Where can people learn more about what you're doing, what you're working on?
2: Starknet.io is a very good place.
1: Yeah, Sargon.io has a bunch of stuff Uh, and there's this thing called Crypto Twitter, I hear. There are a lot of folks sort of putting out terrific material, tutorials and sort of compilations of like, uh, you know, all sorts of exciting stuff that people can read and, and dip their toes in and start sort of building and experimenting.
2: Get out there, go experiment, folks. We also have a lot of um, material on Stark X and on Stark and on math and on our thoughts, uh, mostly on the Starkware website, but we'll just send it over and you can add some links maybe for the listeners.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you again to you both. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Of course. The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest or maybe two, maybe two founders again. Ernie and Bert, another Bert and Ernie. Until then, have a great day.